once knew these two guys. Each, in their own way, had had it all. And blew it. Left with broken brains and battered bravery, having to find parts of themselves they had seen in film and cinema. But who were they anymore? If they were going to do this, it needed to be the most thorough search for identity ever undertaken. Welcome to the Every Movie Ever podcast with your hosts, Ben Groves and Rob McFarland. This episode contains spoilers. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Every Movie Ever podcast. My name is Ben Groves. And my name is Rob McFarlane. Welcome to our mental health check-in that we have carefully wrapped up in the disguising clothes of a movie podcast. Thinly veiled disguise. Ben and I have had our uh, our ups and downs and downs and downs and downs with mental health. Uh, yeah. Peak and trough. Peak and trough, trough. Peak and trough, trough, trough. <laughs> uh, but movies have always been there to to help, and we help us disassociate, teach us stuff, or just escape. be a nice yeah escape, you know, all sorts of things. And so we thought we would talk mostly about movies because uh, it meant that every week we'd have to chat to our best mate and Yay. ask an important question before we get to what we're doing. Ben, how are you doing, buddy? I'm fucking exhausted. <laughs> <laughs> I spent the last two hours fighting with a palm tree. Right? Uh, over a woman or? No, I just didn't trust it. Right, uh, okay. We've got, a, <laughs> there's a, there's a fucking cordyline. It's like a seaside plant that I put in my front garden thinking it'd right. die after a year, but it'd look pretty for a bit. Right. Um, it is a monster and it will, it refuses to die. That sounds like all relationships that I've yeah, ever dude, entered into. Dude, this shit. <laughs> I'll is keep like this moving. for a year because it'll be pretty for a bit, <laughs> and then it will refuse to well, not die. <laughs> but do you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, yeah. This fucking palm tree, mate, has it's it's monstrous. I'm I'm having to right. like deleaf all the old shit. There's like new plants coming through mm-hmm. every other fucking week, so I'm trying to sort of like find a way to repot them to to sort of slim this ever-growing monstrosity in my front garden. Um, it's a shame you're only bi-curious, because otherwise I could refer to you as the gay of the Triffids, and that'd be hilarious, but... There you go. just doesn't that track, would does be it? Strong. That would be strong. <laughs> Unfortunately, I'm a bit weak. Uh, other than that, mate, what have I been doing? Lord of the Rings Extended Trilogy? I did that back-to-back. That was 12 full hours of Lord of the Rings. Just sat on the sofa, just... Uh, sat on the floor. Sat on the floor. Sat on the floor, yeah. Why did you choose the floor to watch 16 hours of Peter Jackson's Lord of the Rings? Uh, actually, I think you find it was only 11 and a half, but I took a half an hour break because it was mind-numbing and arse-numbing <laughs> sitting on the floor for that long. Uh, I don't know, man. It was just, it was it was one of those Sundays where it was like, what do you want to do? Uh, Lord of the Rings. Yeah, fuck it, why not? Let's right, start yeah. at 9am and finish <laughs> at midnight. That sounds lovely. <laughs> so we did that. That's nice. my first time ever watching the extended versions. Um, mm-hmm. Does the first one need to be extended? Uh, maybe. Yeah, we, maybe. We'll get into it at some point when we cover those films. <laughs> but it has to be at least a year from now, because I don't want to do that again. Not yet. But that's me, in a nutshell. That was my exciting week done and dusted. How are you, buddy? <laughs> Just Lord of the Rings and fighting plants. Um, Lord of the Rings and gardening. That's me through and through. It's been a big week for me, bud. It's been a big week for me. So okay. uh, when, I was, when I was in London, being a music producer, working with the, the great and good, 
mm-hmm. famous chart uh, musicians, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. I was on the roulette wheel of uh, this next project I work on is the one that's going to make me a mint. It's going to make me a mint. It's going to make me a mint. It's all good. Right, right, right. I don't need to worry about uh, savings. I don't need to worry about having money in the bank. I don't need to worry about this. Mm-hmm. And then the tax man came calling, yeah. and was like, "You owe us some money." And I was like, "Ah, I'm going to go to prison. So I'm just going to not <laughs> talk to you." <laughs> Healthy and strong. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And then the the more I left it, the more terrifying it became. And it became like the Babadook in the basement, right? Mm. Except for you don't learn to live with that Babadook, right? That one no. just haunts you. Yeah. So that's been haunting me for like 10 years. And this week, I finally rang them yeah. and spoke to them. Okay. And said, uh, sorry, I went out a window. I've not been feeling very well. I'm aware I might owe you a little bit of money. And they were like, oh boy, yes, you do. And I'm like, but I'm a good boy now, and I, I'm not self-employed anymore because that was a terrible idea. Yeah. Can I offer you some small coins? And they were like, yeah, sure. Just pay off until like 2030 or whatever. We don't care. That's fucking awesome, man. It's all sorted, yeah. They, they Basically, I pay them a nominal fee once a month. That's incredible. Yeah, and it's all sorted. So I'm walking on sunshine, mate. Buddy, I'm so fucking happy for you. <laughs> I can't put into words how terrifying something is. It seems really fucking mundane, right? Yeah. Sorting the tax out. It seems yeah. like something that's like so thick, but when it builds up to a certain point, <laughs> yeah, it yeah, becomes yeah, yeah. the haunted fucking doll that now yeah. lives in your brain rent free forever. Oh yeah, the tax man was my uncle Terry for a, for a very long time. Terry sounds sexy. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so that's how that's how that's how I'm doing. But uh, I, I okay, so we're I'm good. You got Lord of the Rings. I got tax. What are we doing this week, Ben? What are we doing? Because we're, we're done with Nolan. We're, we're we got a new series to start. Right? What's the Buddy, I am excited about this series. We are going to get going with a Neil Blomkamp series. Whoop, whoop. Whoop, whoop. And we're going to start it off with his first feature film, District 9. Ooh. Pause for applause. Pause for applause. That's in my notes. That's um, me clapping, by the way. I know it sounds a bit suspect on an audio-only platform. <laughs> I mean, it got me going. <laughs> got me hyped. All right. <laughs> We're going to be kicking it off with District 9, which is, of course, the genre-bending sci-fi movie. When was this out? 2009? It was 2009. Financial crash had just occurred. Same year as Avatar, which is relevant. I'm going to be coming back to that later. Made on a budget of 30 million, Mm. uh, which is not a lot to make a movie with the amount of effect shots that this has. 30 mil for this? 30 million, yeah, yeah, yeah. Jesus Christ. This, there, there's a story about why this came to be, and it's, it's to do with a, a major gaming franchise movie falling through. Okay. But yeah. Well, I'm glad that you've done the research on the actual thing behind <laughs> the film, because I've been plagued. I've been haunted by the, the tax man of this film for me, Rob. Yeah. I'll come back to it later in the episode, but essentially it revolves around the biotech of this film. Right. And that shit has haunted my thoughts. Since I rewatched this. Because you like fictional logic, right? You like to understand the rules of a universe. Yes. And then the second something happens you don't quite understand, yes. you stop watching the film and you go, but what is that? No, I don't stop watching the film, Rob. <laughs> I watch the film. I stop living because nothing can enter my brain because nothing makes sense anymore. And until it makes sense, that's me done. I'm checked yeah. out of anything. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> so regular listeners uh, will know what I'm about to say. Mm-hmm. And Ben, you're going to be intimately familiar with what I'm about to say. But mm. we're about to break down this movie. So what am I going to recommend people do if mm. they've not seen this film? Go and fucking watch the film. Go and watch the film. Go and watch the fucking film. 
It's been out for some time. It's available on Netflix for free. If, well, if, it is. Right? Well, you have to pay with for the Netflix. Netflix. Yeah, I know, but come on, everyone And they've does. started putting ads in. Dicks. Anyway, yeah. it's a different story. Come on. But we're, but we're, we're going to... Because for the sake of the people who've not seen this in a while, or for the sake of people who don't care about spoilers, we're just going to do a very brief little five or six paragraphs about what happens in this film. And if you're planning to watch it, that's going to suck for you. With that said... In 1982, a massive extraterrestrial spaceship appears over Johannesburg, South Africa, with over a million malnourished aliens on board. The South African government relocates them to District 9, which deteriorates into a slum over time, fueling tensions between the locals and the aliens, derogatorily called prawns. Fucking prawns! The government hires Multinational United, MNU, to move the aliens to a new camp. Vickers van der Merve? Merve? Merv. <laughs> We're just going to call him Vickers from now on. <laughs> I'm just going to call him because I've seen this film a few times. <laughs> that name's a fucking nightmare. Dyslexic as shit. There's not yep. a V in it. Vickers. Vickers. Vickers is tasked with leading the relocation. During an encounter with aliens, he accidentally gets exposed to their fuel. Is fuel the right word? This is the yeah. tech thing. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to come back to it later. It's fuel. It's kind it's of. Fuel. It's what they put in the, anyway. Yeah. All right. It's fuel. All right. During an encounter with aliens, he accidentally gets exposed to their fuel, leading to a horrifying mutation. MNU discovers that Vickers can operate alien weaponry and wants to exploit him, as his body is now worth a billion dollars. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the whole thing, that the, the aliens uh, can't leave, and the reason that they are kept on Earth and entertained by the mm. South African government is their weaponry is incredibly advanced and can only be operated mm-hmm. if you have alien DNA. They've been trying for years. Suddenly, Vickers is that guy. But he escapes. Yeah. And his smear campaign portrays him as a fugitive with a contagious disease. From fucking him. Yeah, well, that's the cover story, yeah. yeah. Great bit of Photoshop on that news segment they use as well. But 2009, Photoshop's incredible. Yeah. Vickers is balls deep in that prawn. (laughs) He takes refuge in District 9 where he meets Christopher, an alien, and discovers the alien command module uh, under Christopher's house. Christopher explains that the fuel is essential for their escape and Vickers' cure. Vickers uh, seeks weapons from an arm dealer but escapes with alien tech. Vickers and Christopher recover the fuel but can't undo Vickers' mutation without more of it. Vickers tries to fly the command module to the mothership, but it's shot down. Venter? Yeah, the evil MNU mercenary, Venter, captures them. But Venter. an alien Yeah, but an alien battlesuit helps them escape. Vickers stays behind, buying time for Christopher to escape. Christopher, with his son CJ, Lil CJ, yeah. boards the mothership, which departs Earth. MNU's experiments are exposed, and the aliens are moved to District 10. Vickers, now fully prawn, makes a metal flower for his wife, providing hope for their reunion. Yeah. Aww. So this was originally going to be the Halo movie from Microsoft and Bungie. Of course. Sure. <laughs> sure. Uh, Neil Blomkamp had made a whole bunch of uh, short movies and commercials, and Peter Jackson had seen his work and wanted him to direct the officially licensed Halo movie, which fell through because the number of studios funding it couldn't agree on shit. It became a fucking nightmare. Millions were spent. They made the vehicles. They made the props. And the Halo? Never- yeah. Yeah, and yeah, they all yeah. just sacked it off. They all just sacked it off because no one right, could agree brilliant. on what the film was going to be. 
so Peter Jackson had 30 mil kicking around left from the funding of that and just said to Neil Blomkamp, I said you could make a film. Here's a cool 30 mil. Go make what you want. And he basically upcycled his short film, Alive in Joburg, which is available online. It's fucking great. It's great short movie. It's but a great I, this short is movie. Peter Jackson, Lord of the Rings, Peter Jackson. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Weta Workshop Holy did shit. a lot of the visual effects on this. Um, no Blomkamp's so- got a, a, a background in doing visual effects, and that's how he knew Weta. That's how he sort of got in front of Peter Jackson. Nice, man. So essentially, Jackson made Blomkamp his Frodo and was like, here's yeah. a very valuable. Yeah, here's a 30 million change. quid ring. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah turn yeah. it into something, right? Yeah, totally. Um, Sweet. Blomkamp is uh, born in South Africa, uh, but is now a naturalized Canadian citizen living with his wife, uh, Terry Tatchell, who co-wrote this with him. Incredible. And I think I think we should say, if you've not caught this already or if you've not seen the film before, yeah, it's set in South Africa, made by a South African about uh, aliens living in a ghettoized camp where they are kept separate from the humans. If you've not figured out the allegory yet, it's apartheid. It's a very sort of on the nose, yeah, <laughs> allegory about district. Well, to District Six, the apartheid in South Africa, the illegal eviction, and everything that happened there. Totally. I mean, if you're talking about alienating a group of people, mm. what if what if that word was literal? Yeah, <laughs> I think it also covers a lot of segregation, xenophobia, racism. It kind of it has it has the underlying tones. They're very obvious, but they're also very subtle at the same time. Because uh, essentially, there's, there's two levels. There's, there's the very, very on the nose, hit you in the he- over the head with a hammer yeah. allegory. But within that, there are subtle shades of grey that you that make this the film it is. I think yeah. if it was just the on the nose allegory, it'd be a very blunt object of a film. It's the little grey shades in between that we'll get into that I think make this the great film that it is. Yeah, incredibly so. Um, essentially, this film is a genre bent sci-fi at heart but also a kind of comedy action Mm -hmm. political over the top subtle Mm -hmm. hold the mirror up to society kind of movie right yeah man i don't really know where to pigeonhole the the genre for this film because it kind of encapsulates yeah it's got complex characters and sometimes Mm. incredibly stereotypical characters but you know but he does this with it it's his films have like a heart and a message you know what i mean and sometimes it's great and sometimes it's like does it need to be said (laughs) (laughs) but we're gonna get into all of it so let's get into neil slip slip on in with us to neil don't worry the water is just right. Yeah, and now there's some, like we said, there are some complex issues in this film. There are. It's not going to be helped by the fact that Ben and I are unapologetically going to be unable to stop ourselves doing incredibly poor South African accents throughout Speak this episode. Speak for yourself. My accent is, uh, I don't want to, I, this is a quote mm-hmm. that I heard from someone in public the other day whilst I was practicing this with my headphones on. Someone went, nice South African accent, buddy. And I was like, thank you so much. I'm really working on it. Is that exactly what was said? Yeah, that was verbatim. Yeah. Oh, okay. Okay, it's I, just I nice don't believe It's just to be you. complimented every now and then. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I feel like your South African accent will come out and the listeners oh, that we will. do have in South Africa will be offended. 
Yeah, I apologise if you're It offended. will be the worst thing to happen okay. to South Africa since 1994. <laughs> 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 okay, hear me out, hear me out. I don't mean to cause offence. I'm genuinely trying my best. But you will anyway. Yeah, yeah. No, I don't mean to. I don't mean to. I'm not doing it to be a dick. I'm doing it because I want to learn. There's no intention to cause offence. Yeah, fine. Yeah, the intent is different, see? Something that makes this film shockingly, shockingly um, effective for me Mm -hmm. is that it's not, for the most part, shot on a set, right? This is shot Mm. in an area of Soweto called Mm -hmm. Chiawello. Yeah. And what's insane, I was watching an interview uh, with the director uh, hosted by Adam Savage of the Mythbusters, right? Also the dude that did all the miniatures for Matrix and shit, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. We've, we, he's come up on the show many times because I watch his YouTube channel religiously because he goes mm. into props and all this, all the stuff I love. Yeah. But he asked Neil, you know, what about the location? And what was fascinating is, you know, you referenced that this is sort of based on what happened to District 6 during yeah. the time of apartheid. Yeah. The slum that this is filmed in the reason they could film in it is because all the people that lived in that slum the month prior had been okay. forcibly evicted to a different part of the city. Jesus Christ. So they're literally filming it in homes of poverty-ridden immigrants and uh, native citizens who have been forcibly Jesus. evicted. So all those shacks yeah. are people's houses. They've not had to make it look worse. Did they, did they just find the alien weaponry in these shacks? after they'd forcibly evicted these yeah, people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's actually a documentary, Ben. God <laughs> oh, damn, I fucking knew it! <laughs> That's good, though. It's safe on props, right? Well, I think I think it brings up the point that the, the prawns are depicted... Uh, the stereotype that they depict is the sort of racist uh, myth of the widespread immigrant population or the black population or whatever you want to call the dehumanized group, right? Whatever the dehumanized group of the day is, be it Polish yeah. immigrants during the time of Brexit or black people during the time of apartheid or whatever that marginalized group is, yeah. the prawns are a stand-in and a proxy for all of the myths that are surround that. So they're violent, they're stupid, they don't have any leadership, they're not clever, they're dirty. It's any foreign culture that seems to be like more and more apparent or closer to your doorstep than you're willing to accept than before. It's is now demonized, yeah, yeah. right? So every aspect of it is demonized and everything that comes with that looks like a problem or a yes. negative stereotype. A hundred percent. And the top line area that this, we were talking about that sort of hit you with a hammer mm. over the head thing is that as Vickers uh, has his DNA changed mm-hmm. and becomes less human, he is identified yeah. more and more and more with the dehumanized group. Yeah. He's literally his physical transformation is a is an emotional and a and a social transformation from the oppressor into the oppressed. Yeah, he finally gets a look in at um everything that he's been a part of in the past. Yeah. Uh, unwittingly so. Unwittingly uh, so, but also very ignorantly so. Very ignorantly so. And I, I think very ignorantly th- so. My main point about this film is mm. in in reference to the sort of white savior narrative that you see a lot in Hollywood. So films like Avatar, films like Dances with Wolves, films like The Last Samurai, films I like, like uh, I feel Lincoln. like Avatar is a little different. It's a little different, and we spoke to, to Dances with Wolves and Dances with Wolves is a good example, right? <laughs> it's that thing of the white guy is your audience surrogate. He's the yes. guy that you're supposed to identify with. 
Yeah. And there's lots of other white guys in the film who yeah. are made out to be objective monsters. They'll shoot a dog and a child and all that sort yeah, of stuff. Yeah, and they'll yeah. do stuff that makes it clear to you, the audience, yeah. that that's not meant to represent you because you'd never shoot a dog. You'd never yeah. shoot a child. But here's this friendly white man and he's handsome and funny and he goes into the oppressed peoples and goes, oh, this is wrong, isn't it? And as an audience <laughs> member, it lets you off the hook because it goes, the guy that we've said is you, the audience surrogate, mm-hmm. they're not racist. So you're not either. We're not saying that you, the white person watching this, mm. is bad. It's yeah, these yeah. other, it's the bad whites. And we wouldn't yeah, call yeah. you a bad white. No, no, no. You're a good white. You're the yeah, right white. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> <laughs> But Dan, uh, Avatar's different to Dancers Wars in that aspect, though, I think. I don't think it... It makes... it. Jake it, Sully in Avatar is more culpable than most white saviour narratives. Okay, okay, but okay, okay. But it's not all the way. It's not it's what not, this it's not, film it's not, does. It's not. Dude, this film is unapologetic. This film is yeah. ruthless with it. It doesn't, it doesn't let you off the hook at all. It's like... No. Corporate cog... Yeah. <laughs> never looking up from his fucking desk no. never questioning this that and the other Vickers is mean Vickers is not um, a nice person he is no he's not a good guy he's not a bad guy he's not he's not a good guy or a bad guy right he's just a fucking guy who rarely questions his position he just does what he's told he fits in he's lucky enough to be born into the right circumstances to excel in his position right or in, in his circumstance yeah yeah right up until he threatens all of that by becoming something different he gets first-hand experience of what the prawns have to go through. But whilst he's doing that, his outlook evolves, right? Mm-hmm. Now, it's not through choice that his right. outlook evolves. He isn't like, is this the right thing to be doing? Is this? Mm-hmm. It's when he's backed into a corner and he's like, fuck, I have no choice. Well, oh, this shit, is, what I've been doing is awful. <laughs> this is what I think makes this a cut above your... This is what saves it from being a white saviour narrative. Yeah. Jake Sully, or okay. Kevin Costner in Dances with Wolves... They identify with the oppressed peoples and they go, wow, you are brilliant. You are wonderful. And they see the oppressed peoples as the humans that they are. Okay. They say, this is something of worth. Mm. Vickers never really does. Even right up until act three, he's still trying to double cross. He's still trying to get his own way. He's smashing his allies over the head with fucking wrenches. Oh, he's only desperate to become human again. He wants to go back to how it was. Like He's like, I don't like being oppressed. I want to be back on the other side of the fence. He doesn't identify at all with his new identity. He doesn't respect his new identity and he doesn't like it. And the reason he doesn't want to be that is because he is fully aware of the Mm -hmm. oppression that they face and the circumstances that they are under, because he has been a vital part in the machine that maintains that system of oppression. Okay. So he's not there going, wow, this is excellent, and it's it's worth fighting for. Okay, okay, okay. He's I'll... fighting to not be part of that. Yeah, yeah, I fully agree with you. I fully agree with you. I, I thought you were saying that, like, Dances with Wolves and Avatar are on the same parallel. They're not. Parallel, because I think, I think this is like a scale. Yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. On the scale of white saviour movies. <laughs> yeah, right? yeah. Dances <laughs> with what? Wolves is way down at the extreme. Yeah, that's the one extreme, and the other <laughs> extreme... Avatar's be... in the middle. <laughs> Avatar's closer to District 9 than... than the, the then Dances with, with Wolves, yes. Yeah, because I feel like jake sully is the sort of guy where he is part of a of a corporate machine he's yeah. he's the vicus to an extent right he's not as mm-hmm. committed uh, as vicus because i think he's there out of like a moral obligation mm-hmm. uh to his brother and his job right yes but that film you have the identical antagonists mm-hmm. district nine yes you do <laughs> yes you have the one bad military dude 
who's yeah. willing to fuck with everyone yeah. and doesn't give a shit about anyone. He's like, I'm here to kill shit uh-huh. and get it my way. All right. This yeah, is yeah. this is where I'm at. We're going to blow shit up. We're going to murder stuff. It's going to be great. Yeah, yeah. And then you've got the big bad boss, which is like the big corporate dude who plays yeah, yeah. off like the friendly, yeah, man, we're here to help out. We're just going to get our job done and then go home mm-hmm. and everyone's going to get paid and it's going to be great. But he turns out to be a cunt. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Got- but I think the problem that I have with Avatar, and it's not a massive mm. problem because Avatar is not setting out to be social mm. commentary. Avatar yeah, yeah, yeah. is setting out to be visual fireworks and the plot that's there is mm-hmm. just enough to get you from firework explosion A to B. Yeah, And it 100%. does that beautifully and wonderfully and it, it sets out everything it achieves to do. Yeah, If you want to go one step further than that and do some genuine social commentary mm-hmm. and you're going to use that plot device, where I think Avatar fails is our audience surrogate is not morally complicit enough yeah. for the yeah, reality yeah, yeah, yeah. of the situation. No, I get you. Whereas Vickers van der Merwe is morally complicit in the system of oppression that's being yeah, depicted. I guess. I feel like Jake Sully starts off morally complicit and then edges out of it. Very swiftly, and it yeah. lets the audience off the hook. It does, yeah, okay, I get you, I get you, I get you. Don't worry, you're not a bad white, whereas Vickers is like, we're all in this, Yeah, you're just as much of a piece of shit as anyone else. Okay, so Dances with Wolves, good whites and bad whites, don't worry yeah. though, you're not a bad white. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Avatar... Good whites and bad whites, but don't worry, if you are a bad white, you can be a good white. Yes. District 9. We're all bad whites. We're all bad whites. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. (laughs) You are bad white. And for the (laughs) avoidance of confusion, we're using the term white to say oppressive group. Sure. Right? We can use this in any context. Yeah. We're talking about systems of oppression and the people who have the control and the people that don't. It just so happens that in this film, which is about apartheid... (laughs) That group happened to be the whites. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you can flip it out for anything. You can flip it out for corporations. You can flip it out exactly. to be political. You can flip it for en- literally fucking anything. Yes. And it tracks. This is why this film is so fucking good, man. Yeah. It's universally applicable. It is universally applicable. It's a fucking sci-fi comedy action, weirdly, weirdly deep, mm-hmm. politically relevant, like fucking... I- it- I never thought I would be so intellectually stimulated by mm. a scene of a man eating cat food. Dude, right? the cat food scene is fucking broken. Yeah. It, it's it's the pinnacle <laughs> point where you're like, the transformation's fucking coming. Uh-huh. It's settling in. Yeah. And he's Dude. there and he's doing he's doing what the oppressed group does, which is going crazy for this cat food. And he yeah. gets halfway through and he's riddled with shame. Yeah. Because he's become the thing that he despises. And I think that's the thing, is he despises what he's becoming. That's the difference. Jake Sully okay. loves what he's becoming. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, I see it now. Vickers is like, This is disgusting because these things disgust me. I need to be made human again. The only reason I'm getting help from Chris Johnson is because fuck him and his kid. He can make me a person again. And it's all carried on the shoulders of first-time actor Shalto Copley. Fuck me. Who is (laughs) godly. (laughs) Fucking godly. Unreal. Dude, his comedy timing... Insane. Unmatched. (laughs) Because he comes out of nowhere. It comes out of fucking nowhere. He's so... But he bumbles around the first act mm-hmm. of this film like a fucking, like nothing can touch him. Like, I'm going home to a nice house. I drive my yeah, car yeah. home. It's fucking lovely. I've got yeah. a great wife. I've got a great job. You know, I've just been promoted. Everything's lovely. Everything's great. He's the Michael Scott of racism. 
He is the Michael Scott of racism. That's the best fucking way to put it, man. Holy shit, that's incredible. He's the Michael Scott of MNU. He just fucking loves it. Like, he yeah, fucking yeah. loves it. He's insane for it. And then, <laughs> the way that he can pull out being so fucking sweet and sincere mm-hmm. about his wife and his, his situation, how genuinely happy and pleased he is for his friends who are all coming up with him. I've got the photo of my wife. Oh. Do you want to look at my wife? Look, she looks like an angel. A lot of people say that their wife is an angel, but this is a real life angel right here. It's not that bad, right? I mean, both of both of it. It's, it's it not that bad, like, right? Sounds like you've been hit with a brick. Um, I mean, <laughs> that's a bit offensive there, mate. <laughs> I'm really trying my best. Do you know what, do you know what makes Chantel Copley's <laughs> performance in this so insane? What's that? So Blomkamp and Copley knew each other from secondary school at the age of 16, right? I love this already. Right. So Blomkamp had a, a teacher who was working on papers to do with VFX and how, you know, early computer graphics mm-hmm. and said to Blomkamp, oh, there's a kid. He's uh, actually just leaving school. There's a couple of years between them. So at the time they met, okay. there's a big age gap between them. Yeah. Oh, this other kid, he also wants to get into movies. He's looking at starting his own film company, uh, Shelter Copley. And they started hanging out. Mm. And they became good friends. And so while Blomkamp's making all of his shorts and doing the Halo thing, he's getting Shalto involved to try and like, oh, you know, one for all, all for one, you get involved. And there was, some, there was some test footage shot for Alive in Joburg. Mm. They hadn't cast the role of Vickers yet. So they just got Shalto to do it, who'd never acted as, before. For the test footage. As the test footage, right? Incredible. Yeah. And Peter Jackson saw it. It was like, you have to get this dude to play Vickers. Yeah, he's your Sam. He's right. your, he's yeah, your Samwise. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I won't let you go, Mr. Blomkamp. <laughs> Do you remember the Shire, Mr. Blomkamp? Oh, Mr. Blomkamp. I'd carry you. I can't carry the ring for you, but I can carry you. It's so deeply homoerotic, that. that. I fucking, mate, that's, I was crying, and I'm yeah. unashamed of that fact. I was, yeah, I was in love with that scene. I was like... <laughs> Samwise, you beautiful bastard. <laughs> <laughs> who's Samwise at? I mean, you. Who's Frodo and who's Samwise here? Um, depends which of us picked the movie. Oh, no. Just, I, I tell you what. I'm your Samwise mm-hmm. and you're my Samwise. Yeah. Because I'd carry you to a fucking mountain. I'd carry your ring. I'd carry your ring. Yeah. I would, you know, yeah. If you were to ever leave me, I'd wear your ring on a necklace. <laughs> <laughs> I'd, use, I'd use your bag as a coin purse. Yeah. I call it my bag of holding. Not much. Yeah. I'd wrap some bread in some banana leaf and carry yeah. it around a fucking field for a few years. Why not? Derailer. Right. Sorry. My point is, yep. when speaking in an interview, Neil Blomkamp was asked, is it true that most of Charlotte Copley's dialogue was improvised? In the bin. There's no Blom- Blomkamp said, no, not most. I'd say close to all. <laughs> <laughs> so they'd sit Ow. down every morning they'd sit down every morning and they'd talk about the intent of the scene What? The, so he'd say to Shalto this is what I want the audience to get from this scene right yeah and so the first take would be like 20 minutes long okay and Blomkamp would write down what he called like the golden nuggets okay and then he'd read back the golden nuggets to Shalto and then they'd get a second take that was like three minutes long Right, right, right. And then he's like, and it was always the third take. The That's third incredible. take was always the one. <laughs> the first scene that comes to mind is, you know, when he's going home after being promoted, he's, yeah. like, he's been sprayed in the face. He gets home and he's having like, you know, the early symptoms where he's he's been yeah, sick yeah. a bit. And 
<laughs> he bursts in through his door. <laughs> baby, baby, I'm about to shit. I think I might have crapped my pants. <laughs> the lights flick on. It's a fucking surprise party. Baby, baby, I might have crapped my pants on the way home. <laughs> so the good. Fact that he's improvised all this stuff. Okay, so, yeah. Charlto, what we need from this scene is <laughs> you're feeling a bit ill. Yeah. You come home unaware of a surprise party. Go, baby, baby, I think I've shit my pants. That's fucking incredible. That's my favorite thing. I thought he was godly. Now he is God. Like, yeah. this is it. Like, just adopt me because I want to call you dad in a not creepy way. Funny enough, Charlotte Copley played God in another uh, film by Neil Blomkamp in one of his short movies for Oates Studio, which is all Makes on sense. YouTube. You should check it out. Mm, no, you should. Can we talk about the 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 starring role of this film well the the best supporting actor oscar that could sadly never be mm. christopher fucking johnson christopher fucking johnson christopher fucking johnson because <laughs> i know people talk about andy circus's performance in planet of the apes or gollum mm. or this sort of thing but i genuinely think in terms of my ability to emotionally relate to a, a thing that doesn't exist Christopher Johnson is the pinnacle of acting by a CGI creation. Christopher fucking Johnson's an interesting one. So the alien ship that um, ends up over Johannesburg, there, there's theories early on that they're the working class. They're yeah. the worker bees. They're the worker drones, yeah, yeah. Yeah, the worker drones of that race. They lack leadership and... And intelligence and motivation and, you know, they kind of just, they just plod along. yeah. Christopher Johnson's a different different breed. Well, so yes. the theories that Christopher Johnson might be one of the last officers. I disagree. To exist. I disagree. So I know okay. I know that we're told the theory that they're all worker drones mm-hmm. and that they lack yeah, yeah. creativity and leadership and intelligence by a human who's on the propagandized side of the conversation. You are right, yeah. And I think I think what it actually is is that's more of a a sort of oppressor statement, right? Like a cultural slight. It's it's a cultural slight. It's that thing of like, Got you. it's it's not that we don't understand their hierarchy, it's that they have none. Right, okay. Then let me rephrase. From that person's mm. oppressed yeah, yeah, view, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I think Christopher fucking Johnson would be what is classed in that oppressor's view as... Yes. An officer. <laughs> because A, not only is he a fucking genius. Yeah, he is. B, he had the, the wherewithal about him to hide the command module yes. two decades ago to ensure that like whatever is needed to get him and his people off the planet and back to safety, should it ever, should the need ever arise, is safe, yeah. Is safe. And he's actively working on that, right? Yep. So Christopher Johnson, obviously, like he's a single dad. He's trying yep. his hardest. You know what I mean? He's teaching yeah, his kid yeah. all this crazy shit with technology. He's building everything. He has a buddy. They're out. They're collecting their f- fucking fuel. Yes. I'm fuel. using loose air quotes on that one. Fuel. They're collecting. <laughs> yeah. So that they can power the ship, get everyone off the planet, because obviously it's gone to shit on it. Yes. And they're not, they're not happy with, or Christopher Johnson's not happy with the amount that um, the aliens are being exploited by the humans. Yes. He's the main driving force of this story. I think he's the main good guy of the story. Yeah, yeah I would agree. He's, he's the main protagonist that's helped along by an unwilling, ignorant <laughs> protagonist sidekick, yeah. which is Vickers. Yeah. Um, 
and he's treated like shit the entire fucking film. Like he's treated. He totally is god awfully the entire fucking film. And the only reason that he's ever helped by a human, which is Vickers, mm. is because on the off chance that in three years' time he will return to help <laughs> save Vickers and turn him yep. back into a human. That's the only reason that he's helped. That shit is heartbreaking as fuck. Yeah. And to watch him and his kid, Lil CJ, mm-hmm. rise up on that command module back to the thing, dude, the, the elation of joy yeah. that was coursing through my veins. What's incredible is this entire film, I paused it, the last 50 minutes yeah. is all act three. You know exactly what they need to do. Yeah. It's, we need to get the fuel and get the, get the spaceship off, right? Yeah. And what that last 45 minutes is, is incredibly action-packed, and it's incredibly necessary that it's that action-packed mm. because you've seen so much dark, dark shit. You've yeah, seen yeah, basement yeah. experimentations. You've seen unwilling uh, weapon experimentation where Vickers is forced to shoot live targets with his alien hand while he's fucking strapped to a table. You've seen... Ooh. Orchestrated just, by the company that he did work for. Yeah. And by gave his, years of his life to. And is marrying the daughter of the CEO. Like it's it's mm-hmm. but the thing that really sticks in the throat is the is the passion, like dispassionate, very realistic display of oppression of a minority mm-hmm. group throughout the mm-hmm. film. So you need that catharsis in the last 45 minutes. You do. You need to see a bunch of motherfuckers with conventional firearms get yeah. turned into a gas by a lightning bolt. Yes. And every time one of those soldiers goes pop, you're like, yeah, fuck you. Fuck you, because you deserve it, right? But even when that's happening, the mm. first soldier that gets blown up by the fucking lightning <laughs> yeah. gun, Christopher Johnson goes, I thought you said we're not going to kill anyone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm like, you fucking sweetheart. You're and about to walk into a literal fucking graveyard of your, yeah. your people that have just been sliced up to shit. Yeah. Like genetic experiments and all this bullshit. Crazy, like, fucking animal testing labs. Yep. But on your people, and you're still like, I didn't think we were going to kill anyone. Mm-hmm. Sweetheart. Absolute fucking sweetheart. But I think that's the thing. Throughout all the catharsis that we experience mm. as audience members who are part of the oppressor group because we are humans. Mm. And I think that's the other thing that this film does very well is by making the oppressed group aliens, yep. nobody watching this can be exempt from feeling like the oppressor. Yeah, you're not safe. You're not safe because you're a human, so fuck you, you're part of this. Yeah. As that catharsis goes on, Christopher Johnson doesn't want to be part of any of it. At no point does he rise up with joy or glee and go, yeah, fuck you, I'm getting one back for my own people. His entire thing is securing the safety of his son and his people so they can leave. He doesn't yep. want retribution. He doesn't nope. want justice. doesn't want revenge. He doesn't want the catharsis that we as the audience want. Mm. Which is and it's, fucking mind-blowing that it this makes, all comes yeah. from a CGI'd fucking <laughs> alien. You <laughs> yeah. know what I mean? Yeah, 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 totally. Totally, 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 totally. Insane. I do, I do feel like we have to address the portrayal of Nigerians in this film. Okay. This film is banned in Nigeria because of its representation of uh Nigerian people. Yeah. Uh one of the one of the groups of antagonists in this film are the local criminals who are yeah. stated to be Nigerians um and they're very much into trading alien weaponry uh, weaponry uh feeding the local population but incredibly exploitatively running scams and rackets 
Yeah. And and this concept of Muti, which is eating the aliens' meat to get their power. Yeah, they're big into that. As a result, uh, Neil Blomkamp was only banned from Nigeria. And in the interview, he's like, which I think, given the film's content, is, you know, <laughs> fair enough. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, Eugene Kumbanyua, uh, who played the head of the organization, has stated that the Nigerians in the cast of District 9 were not perturbed by the portrayal of Nigerians. But I really like his defense. Okay. Uh, he said, it's a film, should not be taken literally. And I quote, it's a story, you know. It's not like Nigerians do eat aliens. Aliens don't exist in the first place. <laughs> Which I love as a rebuttal, because it doesn't actually deny the fact that Nigerians might if they had some, you know. And I like the fact that... aliens aren't real, <laughs> yeah, yeah. so we don't eat them. That's yeah, yeah, fucking... Yeah. That's the funniest response ever it doesn't care <laughs> about the criminal representation or anything like it ignores that it's like no we don't eat aliens <laughs> aliens aren't real silly <laughs> but, but i think the reason that they're in in the film the way they are is that i think it makes the film itself and the director complicit in the kind of fuckery that he's talking about <laughs> it's a very good point I'm sorry, I'm I'm literally crying. That's the fucking funniest answer. That's the funniest answer ever. That's incredible. That's a very good point, though. Oh, man. Fuck, sorry. I'm literally... St- I'm still tearing up, man. That's incredible. <laughs> this film holds up a, a, a sort of very detailed, very scary... Very nuanced. Social... Yeah, very nuanced social mirror. It does. You know what I'm saying? We've got... Um, Vickers, who is essentially just to keep your head down, follow yeah. the rules, be productive, and yeah. that gives him his corporate value, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. Then we've got the don't question anything, don't think about anything but what you're tasked with, progress in your career, get your promotions, cash your paycheck, and that equals his personal value, right? Yeah. This is where we're getting the value from in in the capitalist society, in the, the big corporations. They don't give a fuck about the cogs in the machine. They just do enough to give them some value, give them enough to put some food on the table, get your bills paid, look how great you're doing, fucking well done, pat on the back for you. Early on in the film, during the first act, it's sort of a, a documentary-esque interview style. Like a newscast, yeah, it's, it's, it's like it's from the news. and Yeah, yeah there's a lot, of, a lot of news. It kind of blurs, the, it blurs, helps blurs the, the line between um, fiction and fact a little yes. bit more, I feel anyway, it's quite nice. Yeah, totally. But you've got the corporate colleagues that he has before his transition, before he transforms or mutates or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's all very positive. It's all very, oh, he was always mm-hmm. the nice guy. He always did X, Y, and Z. And it's always yeah. the most mundane, boring shit. You know what I mean? Yeah, 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 yeah. He, yeah, he yeah. was really good at doing his job. Fantastic. Yeah. Good stuff. Again, reinforcing that this is his value. His worth is only perceived by how well he's, he fits into this um, yeah, yeah. corporate machine. And everyone's happy. And then you've got rogue agent <laughs> backed into a corner, yeah. trying to do what's right, not out of choice. Again, mm-hmm. doesn't make him a good guy. Out of necessity and out of the sliver of hope that he will one day be able to get back to his corporate cog position. Yeah, He's criticized beyond belief, has zero value, is actively hunted like a fucking monster. It's, it brings up so many questions about what we do in our own lives and what are we willing to overlook in order to to have that to keep our place on the worth. ladder 
to keep our place on the ladder. And I think the thing is, by making your position in the oppressive regime a competitive act, you're ensuring that everyone goes along with it, right? Mm -hmm. The vast majority of people like to feel like they're doing the right thing, like they're doing everything they can do. They like to keep their hands as morally clean as possible. Mm -hmm. And so in order to get an entire civilization to go along with a thing, you've got to get them to A, not think about the consequences of what they're doing, Mm. and B, make the consequences of doing something else incredibly punitive, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So here's your system, and it's going to be great for you if you just play along. And if you don't play along, that's when it gets scary. A lot of my mental health issues are tied into not knowing my worth or not being able to sort Mm. of differentiate from where I was before, obviously like chasing, yeah, chasing the career, chasing the money. Uh, I got very, very swept up in the fact that this is my value. External validation. Yeah. External validation is all I have because I have no internal. Yeah. Yeah, That's exactly it. Yeah. 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 And I still struggle with it now. Oh mate, daily. Same. It's, it's a difficult one because I'm, you sort of, you're treading a line between what's, what do I mean to me and what am Mm -hmm. I doing that means something to me? And it's very, very, very fucking hard yeah. to not pay attention to the entire world. Yeah, to reality, <laughs> the reality I mean? of yeah. capitalism and living in it. It's I, so fucking rough sometimes. It's really though. difficult to not feel, to when you're like you and I, mm. and you struggle with sadness, madness, mm-hmm. and anxiety, it's really difficult to keep an objective view of reality and not Mm. really struggle with it. Because the simple fact of the matter is we could all be doing more to help. Definitely. I mean, we are a fucking cancer on this planet. (laughs) Yeah, totally. We're cooking the fucking world. We're destroying everything and Mm -hmm. anything. For what? Yeah. For what? Do we need another soybean field? (laughs) Do we need more deforestation? (laughs) Like, what is happening? Anyway, that's a whole different conversation. It is. It is. For fucking ages, but... We are a fucking disease that is actively going against every law in nature to fuck up the only planet that, that we, we have. We're using too we much have, resources, right? uh, yeah. loss of species, all this sort of stuff. Yeah, yeah, of course. And you have to, you either look at that rationally, you look at that in the face and you go, I'm not doing enough, I'm not good enough, which for you and I is a difficult fact to get through the day knowing. Yeah. Or you do the other thing, which is just not look at it. And this film is a bunch of people not looking it at is, it. It is. It's real fucking hard. Because they can't afford to look at it. And you and I are in a position where we can't afford to look at it. Yeah. The only thing I found that helps, and this isn't my analogy, so I'm not going to try and, try and take credit for it. Okay. And I don't, I don't remember this as often as I need to or as often as I should. Okay. But it's the bottle of water analogy, which is um, you take a bottle of water, the same bottle of water, mm-hmm. you buy it at the supermarket, it's going to cost you 90p. Okay. Quid 50, right? Yeah. You take that same bottle of water down to the beach and you sell it at the beachside shop. Yeah. It's going to be £2.50. Oh, I can see that, yeah, yeah. You take it on a plane, it's going to be six quid. Yeah, easy. You take it to a festival, it might be about the same. About 30 quid. Yeah. The bottle of water, <laughs> the bottle of water, the, sorry for the Americans, the bottle of water. Bottle of water. The bottle of water hasn't <laughs> fundamentally changed in any way whatsoever. It's exactly the same thing. You're oh. the same you. What has changed is the environment that you, you're surrounded by. Shit. If you look at Christopher Johnson, who is legit a, a space <sighs> rocket scientist. 
He's a literal fucking rocket engineer. Yeah, he can do rocket surgery, right? He can so, travel through deep fucking space. Yeah, yeah. Using nothing but his claws in jelly. Yes. And he is in the wrong environment for that to be valued. And if you struggle to value yourself, then I think primarily you need to find yourself in an environment where the others around you value you. Otherwise, you're in trouble. Me. And then once you've done that, you've got some value to spare to spend on the issues that matter. But you can't serve from an empty vessel, bud. Like, I learned that the hard way. Same. But that's a fucking great analogy, man. Can we play a game? I've... Oh, my days. Yeah, dude, I've, I've got a game. I've got a mint game. Okay. Are you ready for this? I'm, I don't know. I mean, the level of excitement <laughs> that you're displaying <laughs> means maybe not. Okay. No, no, no. I'm, dude, I'm genuinely excited about this, right? I, a little while ago, I was talking to a very dear friend of mine, Adam Sykes, right? Right. And we were talking about movies, as we often do. Yeah. And he, he, was, he was trying to remember an actor's name. Right. It just it, it slipped his tongue, right? And he was like, oh, it's that guy from... Um, it's that guy from fucking, you know... Amazing Spider-Man 2. And I was like, mm-hmm. oh, Andrew Garfield. And he was like, no, 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 the, the other one. And I was like, uh... Oh, um... Okay, which one? Like, which which one are we talking about? What characters is he playing in the film? And he's like, the electric man. And I'm like, <laughs> are you talking about Jamie Foxx right now? <laughs> and he was like, yeah, yeah, Jamie Foxx. I was like, your go-to Jamie Foxx movie reference... <laughs> is Amazing Spider-Man is the 2. Amazing Spider-Man 2. Not Django. Not Django. Not Django not Unchained. Ba- not, not Baby Driver. Not Baby Driver, none of not this stuff. Not the cellist. Right? It was n- nothing. It was, ama- <laughs> dude, The Amazing Spider-Man 2, and it was the best conversation <laughs> yeah. I've ever had about Jamie Foxx in my entire life. It okay. was fucking wild. I love this man for bringing this to my attention, because that got me thinking, Rob. Right. What I'm going to do for this game mm-hmm. is I'm going to give you some obscure movie references, and you have to guess the actor that I'm talking about. Okay. I'm ready. Go. Number one. Number one. Uh, oh fuck! He's the guy from. Um, he's the guy from Earth Girls Are Easy. Okay, you know? we ne- um, very nearly covered uh, that. So he's we did. Uh, um, give me a second one. What else is he in? Uh, Annie Hall. He's in Annie Hall. Oh, what the fuck? Um, okay, I'm gonna need a third one. Shooting Elizabeth. Jeff Goldblum. It is Jeff Goldblum. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I know some fucking obscure Jeff Goldblum movies, Mr. Frost. Yes, same, mate. Uh, there's one yeah. where he's linked with a psychopath telepathically, which is fucking great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I can't Incredible remember movie. the name of. So if anyone can get in touch telling me the name of that movie where Jeff Goldblum is telepathically linked to a murderer, mm. do let us know. Mm-hmm. Go to www.everymovieeverpodcast.com and use the contact form because that is going to bother me all week. So someone needs do to it. save me. I'm not going to let you Google it either. I'm not going to Google it. I'm going to wait. All right, good. Good, good, good. All right, here is actor number two. Yep. Oh, shit. What's his name? He's uh, he's the guy from... It's the guy from Footloose. Um, Bacon, obviously, but it's not that. No, 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 no. Not him. The other guy. Uh, he was in He was in The Pelican Brief. Uh, these are two films I've not seen, so... Okay. Uh, uh, he... The fucking... You know, the dude from Rise of the Planet of the Apes. Woody Harrelson. No, the other one. He's in. Uh, he's in the campaign. What the fuck? Who is this guy? Oh, what else is he in? The, the 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 guy from This Is Forty. Will Ferrell, Paul Rudd. Oh no, no. Uh, Seth Rogen. The other one. Seth no, Rogen. The other one. This no, is Forty. What the? John f- Lithgow. No. What the there fuck? You go. 
That's okay. Name. Yeah, that's no, okay. Name. That's good. Right. Let us know if you got that at home because I fucking didn't. You ready for actor number three? I am. Yeah. Okay. It's that guy from um, from Nobody. He's in Nobody. I've not seen that one yet. Uh, what's one that you might have seen? Oh, uh, Santa Buddies. He's in Santa Buddies. Don't bring the ABCU into this, <laughs> all right? <laughs> it's been a while, man. I'm well first at the ABCU. It's been a while. He's in Santa Buddies. I've not seen Santa Buddies. I've seen Spooky Buddies. It's a fucking oh, classic. Oh, okay. He's in fucking Schizoid. He's in Schizoid. I, that's not a film. That's just a word that you've made up. It's a, it's a fantastic film, and I okay. will 100% be bringing that to the table at some point. Okay. <laughs> Uh, he's in Piranha 3 Double D. <laughs> I, I mean, surprisingly, Ben, for a man who's into fucking like, high-end <laughs> cinema and <laughs> shit like I that. I chose nothing but stuff that I knew you hadn't said. I'm sorry. Oh, you utter Okay, fucker. I'll give you a clue with one that you might get. Right. Back to the Future. Uh, Michael Parkinson. No. <laughs> shit. Um, yeah, your dad's edited out immediately. <laughs> Um, Michael J. Fox, no. Christopher Plum, uh, Christopher Lloyd, Christopher Lloyd, Christopher there Lloyd. Go, there we go. Yeah, yeah. Not fan right, of those. So there's the three actors. One out of three. It's not bad for the first. Bad. You know, first right. entry in a game. How fun is that though? That's a great weird, game. weird movie references. Yeah, for very well known actors. Also, That's brilliant. okay. I'm gonna give you. I'm gonna give you a shot of redemption, Rob. Right. If you can name me. Mm. The film, a film that I'm thinking of that has all three of these people in it. I'll so, give you an extra point. So we had Christopher Lloyd, we had yep. um, John, Lithgow, John Lithgow, and yep. Jeff Goldblum. Jeff Goldblum. Jeff Goldblum. Yep. Um, the tall guy? No. Ooh, possibly. But that's not what I'm thinking of. No, it's, it's, <laughs> it, it won't be. That was a guess of an obscure Jeff Goldblum film. John Lithgow <laughs> and Jeff Goldblum. All right, it is. It was on the VHS shelf of every eight-year-old, and it's still as fantastic today as it was back then. Incredibly long title. <laughs> um, if you're going to think about this answer, Rob, I yeah. wouldn't think about it in terms of the second no. dimension or the third dimension. Oh, oh, or oh, even oh, the oh, 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 uh, Buckaroo Banzai across the eighth dimension. <laughs> Here it is, yes. buddy. Yes. There it is. All right. Do, Two do you know, points out of four. That's pretty fucking good. Do you know I have not seen that film since I was about 10 years old and we keep saying we should Same. cover it and then we keep going, yeah. but we're the only two people on the planet that have ever seen it. So it's fucking mind-blowingly good though. I say that we just did Japanese Spider-Man. What the fuck am I talking about? Yeah, I was going to say, like we fucking <laughs> literally, we're, st- we're having to stream that in our Discord regularly to ensure that it has an audience. Literally in 10 <laughs> minutes. So with that yeah. in mind... Just quickly ram in a comment corner because I know you've got a good one. Oh, mate. I've got a fucking great one. Uh, This week's comment corner comes from a lovely chap called Ross Grant on Instagram. He sent us a lovely message saying, Hi, Ben and Rob. I'm a very new listener to the podcast. I found you. Oh, hello, buddy. Uh, I'm a very new listener to the podcast. I found you via the Wonder TikTok algorithm suggesting your Tenet video about Christopher fucking Nolan driving a fucking plane into a fucking building. That he did. That he did. Since then, I've listened to probably 30 episodes in less than a two-week period and show no signs of slowing down. That is a fucking monumental marathon there, buddy. Don't worry, bud. We're familiar with signs of addictive behavior. (laughs) It's very much our target market. (laughs) 
Uh, yeah. <laughs> Please keep going forever and ever as your ability to talk about mental health disguised, in air quotes, as a podcast keeps me from having to pay for very real and very expensive therapy. Lots of love. Ross. Kiss yeah. kiss. Love you Ross, too, bud. You are a fucking diamond for that one. You have no idea how much that made our day. It was yeah. stuff like that, honestly. It makes the world of difference to know that people are enjoying it and that it actually does something out there. Uh, the one slight rebuttal I have, uh, dear Ross, love you dearly. Um, I would always go with therapy over us. <laughs> Pussy. <laughs> yeah, man. Don't listen I'm to Ben. We're therapy. all you need. I'm We're all you need. It. We're all you need, mate. <laughs> Don't give a therapist your attention. Give us your attention. <laughs> listen to the song Pet by A Perfect Circle. You'll get my opinion on this. <laughs> <laughs> Step away from that window. Go back to sleep. Everything's fine. Um, what are you rating District 9, Ben? That's the fucking Vicus method, that is, buddy. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> what are you rating District 9, Ben? This is gonna be it's high it is high um i'm gonna put it at an eight eight i'm gonna put it in an eight for the rewatchability right for charlotte copley mm-hmm. for the shockingly good cgi for the time mm-hmm. and the fact that this is like his directorial debut of a feature film and it's made for 30 million mind-blowing improvised it's 30 dialogue. fucking million it's mental <laughs> that's mental what are you rating it uh, well, it would be a fat 10, but it's got the problematic depiction of Nigerians, so I'm going to give it the same number of points as I give it districts. It's a chunky nine. A nice. District ni- nine for District Nine. Nine for nine. Thank you for joining us this week. Uh, if you want to be part of Comic Corner, all you need to do is uh, drop us a line on TikTok, Instagram, or on our shiny new website, www.everymovieeverpodcast.com. Uh, join the Discord. We do watch-alongs on the Discord. We're almost late for one right now, but it has been an absolute fucking pleasure to hang out with you this week. Thank you so much for joining us. You are strong, independent, powerful, so powerful. In fact, I think if you were to tell a friend about us and they enjoy it, it would really fucking help us out. That would help us out a lot. Cheeky little wink, wink, nudge, nudge. Now, I'm going to cosplay as society and tell you to do what society always does, while Ben is going to wrap up the themes of this movie. Wait, 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 wait. I had something for this, but I don't know where it is. (laughs) Sentence that he can deliver to thank you for spending an hour at the start of your week with us. Uh, and as long as it takes for me to yeah. run out of breath, which uh, yeah. as a serial vapist, just keep it going, buddy, um, is not oh, that man. long. Pronunciate that one just just once more for reiteration. Serial vapist, vape, yeah, yeah, vape, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Statutory <Cool>. vapist. <laughs> Stop. It's fucking me, man. Jesus Consume. Christ. You can't, you can't expect me to just pull something out of my ass after that. Come on. Uh, oh. Okay. Your worth isn't determined by your job, your paycheck, your fucking, your routine. It's not, it's not determined by what you bring to the table. It's not determined by what you can give people around you. Your worth is just you. Like, are you enough for you? Are you enough for wake, to wake up in the morning and go, I can get out of bed, I can do what I want to do, I can do what I need to do just to get through the fucking day. That's enough. That was all right, man. Yeah, it was uh, It was a good episode. It was just, I worry it was a bit heavy. Like, do you think we could have done with a few more 
lighter moments. Fuck me. What? I didn't mention the fucking fuel. The fuel would have been oh, the few Jesus. more laughs. Yeah. <laughs> you mentioned it like four times as well. I speak about it all fucking episode. All episode. Essentially, it was just going to be, <laughs> is the fuel alive? Right. How the fuck does it turn humans into prawns? Mm-hmm. Does it only turn humans into prawns? <laughs> or, like, if an alien on the ship fucking spills some on the floor and a woodlouse gets into it, does yeah. the woodlouse turn then into a become like, yeah. a, like a seven foot four prawn? It does, and the, it does strike me like petrol has its downsides, right, as a fuel source. Yes, right. But I think on the intergalactic scale, we're doing all right because our, you know, it makes the environment shitty, but it doesn't, if you accidentally spill a bit on you, turn you into a different species. So, Or if we spill a bit on an ant, the ant doesn't become a human. <laughs> See, this would have been good, man. Yeah. I'm just fucking furious. Oh, well. Next time we cover District 9A. Hmm. Sure. Fuck it. Why not? <laughs> I love you. Love you.